Let's bring on the podcast. Yes, 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 yes. Hey guys, welcome to the Science of Getting Rich podcast. <clears throat> Always remember, whatever you think about comes about. Whatever you focus on grows. And um, today, I'm talking with my new friend and neighbor, um, Anthony. And say your last name again. Philippone. Philippone. Yep. Philippone. Again, we were just saying it sounds Italian to me. And uh, my man is actually from what, Tennessee? Uh, originally from New Jersey, uh, 35 years there. There's the Italian part. So yeah, 16 years in Tennessee and now six years here. New Jersey. Now, I was just in New York City. Sorry. And uh, in, I went to Brooklyn. Um, it was fun, very crowded, very expensive. Yeah, that sounds about right. It was, uh, it was you know, it was New York City. That was my first time going, so it was kind of neat. Um, I've been going there since I was a child. I've seen it change from, you know, really a shithole shit to, to decent. Right. I think every town does that. If you look back through the history, you'll see Chicago was terrible, and then it, the market gets I mean, hot, and then it crashes, go, and then... we go through the tunnel, and it would be hookers, and then, like, porn shops. Street people. And, just, and now it's like Disney. <laughs> It's like Las Vegas. Las Vegas has gone through that. Where it's Gangsterville, and then it's all of a sudden corporate, and they want to bring kids. Yeah. And then now it looks like it's, they're getting away from that kid thing and going back to what they originally... Now the last time I was there. And now we're here in New Orleans, and it's, um, <laughs> it's New Orleans. It stays constant. Right. So you guys know that I bought a place in the French Quarter, and... It's unlike any other, well, <laughs> at least any city I've ever lived in. New Orleans is different than any other city I've lived in. Um, yeah. Any of the shit going on here, you'd be arrested in my town. I mean. Oh, yeah, pretty much almost anywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> anywhere else in America. It's craziness. Yay to corruption. So. <laughs> and I think the worst is Canal Street. If you just walk to the end of Canal Street. I don't know about the worst, um, but as far as in the French Quarter area. Canal's rough. I mean, it can be, especially later in the night. No one needs to be there after midnight. Right. I think everyone, I'm sure you went there at one point oh. when you first moved here. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. I've, I've traveled every part of the quarter and the city for that matter. But uh, there are certain places you know where you don't need to be. Right. That's one of them. I've been over there. I left the casino. And really, the smart way to come back is just to catch the quarter immediately and for me, I would think, and head down. But if you go all the way down Canal, then go up, Bert, we're got, you know, go up that street, it gets a little uh, rougher. Um, yeah, you don't need to be anywhere from Canal to <laughs> like the two, three hundred block. Right. Um, late. <clears throat> I've been going out. I did this a few nights, and I take. I'm obsessed with doors. I like doors. I don't know why. So I go out at night and take pictures of doors. There's lots of beautiful architecture of- here. Um, yeah. Tons of hidden gems. I started to put those in a book, and the end's like, who the, who the fuck is going to re- look at a do- picture oh, of there's doors? There's actually several books on just <laughs> doors. Just doors, right? Yep. Yeah, there's a, some nice ones here. I'm sure everywhere there's nice doors, but where I live, you can't just walk door to door to door to door to door like you can here. That's a wonderful thing in the quarter. You don't have to drive. You can walk everywhere every day. Right. Um, it's, I park my car and try not to move it. Tennessee's not like that, right? Oh no! It's like I'm sure it's more like where I live. You're it's, like, it's everything's rule. spread out. Right. You know, you, you want to walk. It's a half mile to a convenience store. 
And I was thinking that today, I'm walking, <clears throat> or yesterday, I'm walking through the quarter, I'm like, I see that school. And I swear to God, I've seen two children in like five days. I think there's only one, <clears throat> maybe two that live in the quarter full time. Right. And that looks like a private school. Yeah. Right. And they're then, all charter schools. <clears throat> so I'm sure those people are busing them in or driving in or whatever. Yep. And I'm thinking, this might have been fun if as a teenager living in the quarter, I would have gotten in trouble. Oh, I really lucky I didn't move here until my mid forties. I'd right. be dead. He's <laughs> like, I'd be dead. Yeah, there's too much fun to be had. And, um, I like that fun. It's a you can find a party every day of the week, every you know, anywhere you go, <clears throat> and that's. I guess I'm sure there's places like that all over America, but not running a full blown party there's, all the time there's no city like New Orleans right I um, think so. this is my favorite place on the planet <clears throat> closest second would be like Amsterdam it's a that's uh, what it's like it's very I've been to similar. Amsterdam yeah, so yeah Amsterdam's like the European version or this is a Euro- I went to the army after high school and I got sent to Germany and um, you know had the t- chance to go to Amsterdam and all that and uh, it was mind blowing I mean everything is pretty much legal as long as you aren't hurting people yeah, um, it's still not. This is more like the Wild West version of Amsterdam. Right. It's, it's it's lawlessness. That's what I was telling oh, Deanna. She said if you had to describe the city, I'd say it's it's like a cowboy town, it's like you see on TV when you're watching it. And it's like there's homeless people, there's crazy shit going on, there's the criminals, like you see in a, on a cowboy movie. It's also the best people on the planet I've right. ever met. For sure, I've met I made the best friends I've ever had in my life here. Um, been welcomed as family to so many just incredible people it's like there's it's almost I was thinking this last night there's like a couple different types of people here one like yourself super friendly and immediately was friendly to me my family and then there's people who are like literally hiding behind walls and you don't see them (laughs) yeah I mean there are a lot of people that keep to themselves right Um, point A point B but the majority (laughs) I mean you can go anywhere in the city and make a friend Right. Or find someone to talk to. Street people. I right. mean, I've got several of them that come by regularly just to say hi and check on us. You know, they're living on the street, but they come to make sure we're okay. Because they know, you know, we take care of them. We give them water, food when they need it. But, you know, you just have to set your boundaries. Right. So you guys actively um, try to help them. Like, I mean, do you go out of your oh. way to do it or if it just crosses your path? Since we moved here, we set up rules with everybody that came by that was in right. need. You know, happy to give you water, happy to give you food 24-7. Um, if you're cold, we'll give you a blanket. Right. We're not giving you liquor. We're not giving you a cigarette. We're not giving you any money. You know, if I gave people... that would be a never-end stream there. If I gave them 42 cents for every single person that asked every single day, I couldn't afford my rent. Right. So you have to say no at times. Yeah. But you can also realize they're humans and, you know, they right. need food and water. I'm happy to give them that. I, I've been doing the, um, I carry dollar bills on me. And the dudes that are working. Like, I would listen to a guy play a saxophone yesterday, and he was really good. Musicians that are out there performing, you know, right. busking, I tip. If, right. they, if they make me stop to listen, right. I'm giving them money. There was a guy who had a just juggling thing yesterday. And he was super funny. And I'm like, this guy, this is fucking skills. He's got 50 people stopped 
watching him. I think if that's it, and he's if, funny. If a performer makes you stop and right, watch, they should pay him. I, I, you know, it's nice to give him a little something because they're right. working. It's the people that are constantly begging, and you see them every single day, that's asking annoying. for forty-two cents and you know, uh, beer and <laughs> can I get a stuff. dime? Just a dime. And I'm like, no. I do have some kids that come by and ask to work for something, and are ha- happy to sweep or pull weeds. Do they actually do it? Oh yeah. Yeah, they jump at the opportunity to make a couple bucks. I'm thinking my wife would freak out if I brought a guy in the back to sweep. Um, I don't know. I got to. But you just moved here, right? I just moved here. Maybe when she gets used to it, she might change her mind, right? Yeah, you get to know these people and realize. Right. There's some some of these kids that come by. I've seen them for six years. It's. I'm guessing they live in the area because I was watching yesterday. There were two uh, young kids. I don't know. Fifty. 13, 14, like they were teenagers, but not older teenagers, young teenagers. And they're doing what teenagers do, being obnoxious, but they're on their bicycle. They're talking to themselves, nobody else, and, you know, cursing and doing what teenagers do, going up the street. And I'm thinking, where are the little kids going? Like they're cr- just cruising the quarter on their bicycles, I guess. Um, you, you they don't never live know. here. We know that. You never know. A lot of times they're on the outskirts. Right. Um, Tremaine. And it's a cooler area to ride your bicycle, probably. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, Lots to see, lots to do. Right. Probably not going to get robbed. More likely well, not here than in there where they live, I mean. Well, usually they're the, those are the kids that worry me. Mm-hmm. The younger teenage ones Just on bicycles. Shit. Right. But those are the ones that will jack you. <laughs> um, they don't have the foresight or the consequences yet to like know that. Carjacking is a real thing in New Orleans. <laughs> if you get on and read stats, I read them and it shocked me. Carjackings and just your car getting broke into. And that makes it sound like sometimes I say that because I get two reactions when I tell people I bought a place in New Orleans. One, they go, are you out of your fucking mind? That's the response. I get it. Like, why would you do that? And the other one is, oh my God, I would love to do that. You know, you don't realize till you get here how incredible this city really is. You hear about the crime and different stuff, but it's you kind of put up with it because everything else is so great. Right, the food, the people, always something to do. The food is great. Hundreds of festivals every year. Uh, before COVID, they're starting to come back. So, you and your wife live here and Tennessee. We spend 95% of the year here. So you're pretty much here. Yeah. And I'm slowly doing the same thing. My followers know this, that I have a house and property in Texas. I come here. I'm starting to come here more and more. This, this will be my longest stay. We would have been here three weeks. We start off the exact same way. Right. And we're like, our kids and our dogs are still in Tennessee. They're living yeah. in the house. And um, we come for a couple of weeks. And then go back, and then it got to where we're tired of driving, and we have so much going on here that it was like, okay, we're staying for a month. Wow, we're here for two months. Wow, we've been here for three months. Right. You know, and then we're like, oh, all right, what's the next holiday? That's when we'll go back. That's when we'll go back. We'll so, go back next weekend. But now, I mean, we're booked. Like, there's so many events. I've got. But you guys are working now here. Um, Quasi working. I I'm tie dyeing. Um, I retired from. Te- Tattoo artist. Right, and we'll talk um, about that tattoo. And he's, Anthony was a tattoo artist. For about 20 years. Uh, my wife now wasn't working. She was raising the kids all these years. Right. Came here, and now she's living her dream. Um, she started her own studio. 
Luderbitch studio and she's doing uh, home decorating, costuming, a uh, multitude of things. She has um, Jam Nolan Museum exhibits. Now, what do you call that? Like, is, is that crafting? What is um, that? Well, let's see. Uh, costuming. Um, she does a multitude of... And this is one of the cities where you can do that legit. Like, oh, it's, right. it's, it's a big deal. Most cities aren't... Maybe they have the pumpkin thing, but you know what I mean? They're not... No, costuming here is huge, right. and it's constant all year round. Yeah, for I mean, given day of the week, someone could be walking in what otherwise would be a crazy outfit, and here nobody looks twice. Like, they just assume they're going to a... I, I realized I got jaded. It was a Tuesday morning, 10 a.m. I'm drinking <laughs> my coffee on my stoop, and a guy rides by on a unicycle right. in a tutu yes. with a uh, fluorescent unicorn horn. <laughs> and that's normal. And he was reading a book and just riding by, and I'm drinking <laughs> my coffee, and I'm looking at my phone, and I look up at him, and then a minute or two later hit me that, wow, I'm not, that didn't even look twice. Didn't look twice. That's just normal. In Tennessee, you're getting pulled over. Well, I mean, he, he had more clothes than most people on this block at that time of year, right. so I didn't even pay him any attention. Yeah, that's the beautiful thing. And, and L.A.'s a little bit like that. When I visited L.A., there's areas where if you're in costume or doing whatever, they don't even look twice. They assume you're doing some shit, you know. I think L.A. is like a PG version of New Orleans. Right, right. Although the Skid Row section there is shocking because they have a lot of – it's like a homeless city. It's well, shocking. Our mayor's trying to do that to New Orleans. If you right. look under our overpasses, that wasn't, you know, shouldn't be the way it is. Our homeless should be taken care of, not, you know, stuck under an overpass. For sure. Now, Anthony has a, we have monitors on the road here on the street. And there's a big, uh, looks like Cox Cable truck pulling up. Good, because my internet's been not good. Maybe they fix it. There's a lot of, there's, you'll see signs as you walk through the corridor of people bitching about Cox Internet. They're terrible. Mine's been pretty good. I haven't, I, re, I hear everyone saying that, but I haven't had any problems yet. Mine's out every week. At least what, one day or two every week it's out. Really? No internet, no TV for it's got hours It's something to do with the lines running somewhere to somewhere, right? I have, if I knew, I'd do something to fix have it. Have you ever got on with a little bot? On your phone? Um, I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, on your phone, <laughs> they have an app. And on your app, you can interact with them. But I came to realize it was a bot after spending an hour trying to... Okay. There was no phone number. There was nobody to call. It was the only way I could talk to them. I get um, constant notifications. You know, you're out in your neighborhood for... Right. You know, but I did learn a trick. Call Cox as soon as it comes back on and get credited for those few hours. Yeah. Lower my so, bill, mother. Yeah. Usually get it lowered about 60 bucks a month. There you go. At least. That works. All right, so we're the same age, 51, right? Uh, 50. And you grew up in New Jersey. I did. And you you finished high school? Oh, yeah. And then you go to college or anything? I uh, went to college for about a year. Community and, uh, college? Uh, yes. Uh, started there. I hated college. I, I hated school. Yeah. But I, got, I was uh, EMT... Then got into uh, firefighting and um, went that direction. So, and I think you were telling me when you say firefighting, you were talking about like wildfires. Well, no, I was going to do that. Um, okay. I had been training and I had been a firefighter for um, a year or so. And um, I was 21 and I got blown up in a, a fire accident. But you were actively working as a fireman. I was at a full-time EMT. And then 
it was a training simulation. It was the last day of my just training. A, just an accident, a random accident. Uh, yeah, we were training. I was inside a school bus, and uh, it blew up. Not your fault. I mean, you didn't oh, do no. anything wrong. Oh, no, no, no. It had nothing at all to do with me. It actually mm-hmm. changed the laws for all firefighters throughout the country. Jeez. Because uh, it put safety protocols in place that we didn't have. That they should have had. So then you're well, burned. Yeah. Uh, 37% third degree, three months in a coma, 32 surgeries from that incident. Two surgeries? Yep. Jesus. So I'm excruciatingly painful, obviously. Yeah, a lifetime ago, but yeah, it wasn't fun. <laughs> yeah, man, that's, that's, um, and that, so what percentage were you burned? 37. Or, th- 37%. For third degree, on grafted. Wow. So arms and back, primarily, and face. Now, you talked about doing tattooing. Is this, like, after you recover? Your... Um, yeah, it took... I lost my 20s. Basically. Pretty so... much um, recovering. Really? And then... Um, took years. Yeah. They said I was permanently disabled um, mm. due to the injuries. Um, I was sitting at a tattoo shop getting tattooed, and I was doodling. And it was a long session on my thigh, like six, eight hours. And by the time I was done... the Artist said, hey, um, what are you doodling? I showed him. And it was the room that we were sitting in. I was just mindlessly... Any art aspirations prior to that? Um, yes. You just didn't... Um, I didn't really follow it. My dad's right. a professional artist. Okay. Um, I've always drawn and painted. Trained sculpted. professionally or just your dad going, hey, do this? No, it wasn't my dad. He did not push it at all. Mm. Um, he actually didn't want me playing with his art supplies. Right, so dad, so, dad wasn't raising but, you to be Picasso. No, and he, he knew that there's not a great um, right. future it's, it's, in it. It's Plus feast I, or famine. I had different aspirations. Right. Um, but I always liked to draw, and I was okay with it. It's kind of like music. Like 95% of everyone that does art is paid very little, and then 5% are paid stupid sums. Just like in yeah. music, I mean. Yeah, I want to be a heavy metal drummer, not an artist. Right. You know, as a kid growing up. Yeah. We, we share that in common um, I, I play guitar I make noise on guitars I don't, wouldn't call it playing when you see actually people who can play and you know what I mean like and then you're like yeah I just make noise I know exactly <laughs> what you mean <laughs> but I loved it and it you know was always part of my life still has been I still own guitars I love heavy metal music as um, do I what's funny I always weird people out I have two favorite kinds of music heavy metal like thrash metal and then uh, gangster rap. I am definitely a thrash metal enthusiast. <laughs> I'm not into rap whatsoever. Right, and I always trip people out with uh, that. I think I, I like the one DMX song, and that's about it, but I'm just not a... Uh, right. Rap's never been my thing. And I can't do country. I'm just not. I country respect some of the angry. guys. Right, I respect <laughs> some of their their hustle, the Pink Williams Jr. and all that, but the uh, Outlaw Cowboys, I appreciate it. But My musical... Um, Tastes have expanded greatly since moving to New Orleans. I like classical a little bit. Um, I get to see a lot of blues, a lot of um, jam bands type stuff. Um, uh, just there's so many local musicians here that are just incredible. Right. I've grown an appreciation for traditional jazz and jazz in general because uh, you're exposed to it. Right. My friends are playing it and get to go see it live and um, learned a lot. So my definitely have my tastes have expanded greatly in the last six years than New Orleans ever will do before. That, right, take you down that road. So you so you start apprenticing at this tattoo shop. Yep. Uh, the very next day, uh, I started apprenticing 
and a month later, he cut me loose. Within a month, you're yeah. on a gun, on a body. Oh, no, I was on a body the next day. He put a free tattoo sign out front and had a little Are you serious? sheet up there with, like, little postage-sized stamp tattoos. And I did about a thousand of those free tattoos in a month. Now, did you do it on yourself to get a feel for... Nope. So how do you know how hard to push? I always wondered uh, that. He had this guy come in that... Um, Every apprentice he had ever had had done a little tattoo on him, and he was covered. Oh, my God. And the guy came in, and it was like the worst shamrock. You know, so he's covered uh, in just shitty tattoos. Oh, yeah, and he loves every part of it. Because, uh, I mean, some of these artists go on to be something. So, uh, but he was just, um, he, was, he wanted to help new artists break into the field. And there's no real way to do it without practicing on people. Right. So I got a thousand really shitty tattoos roaming around somewhere, and I'm sorry, guys, for that. That's but, funny. <laughs> That's how it works, though, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you kind of learn. It, my apprenticeship was crap. There's way better ways of apprenticing people, but that's the way he did it. Yeah. So you do this for 20 years? Yep. About six in New Jersey. Then my partner and I moved uh, to Tennessee to open up shop. We couldn't afford to do it. We looked from New Jersey all the way down to Florida on the coast. Couldn't do that. And my in-laws had moved to Tennessee, uh, right outside Chattanooga. And um, it was a perfect fit. It was a growing town. And um, we could afford it. Right. Southern states tend to be cheaper. For sure. Uh, it was a quarter of the price it would have been in New Jersey. Uh, we just couldn't do it. So we were there about 16 years before retiring. My partner passed away and uh, figured it was time to move on, do something different. So you had a partner? My best friend for 30 years. Oh, man. Passes away. Yep. So what made you guys decide to come here? Like, what was that, just visiting the town? We had been here, we had been coming here for 10 years for vacation. And it started off with coming once a year, then a couple times. Yeah, you do the same as everybody, stay at a hotel. Yeah, and we did that. The last two years we came here before moving, I think we came five times and then seven. And then the Halloween week broke us. We realized we spent more on a hotel for 10 <laughs> right. days than we would for rent for a year. Right, and you're like, hey, let's try it for a year. Uh, we figured we were going to retire, or I was retiring, and we'd go somewhere where there's something to do all the time. I don't right. have to shovel snow, um, don't have to deal with cold weather pretty no much. yards. Yeah, I'm renting a place, so I don't have to take care of, you know, right. repairs and stuff. And we're in the French Quarter. Um, it's and it's your rent, great. honestly, your rent is cheaper than a mortgage. Uh, it's, yeah. Once you pay in the HOA fees and all that shit, if you have them, you wouldn't have we, it. We don't have them. But, I mean, right. our rent here is comparable to what I pay in Tennessee for a mortgage. Right. But it's way worth it to be here. My, um, my mortgage, I don't know about your Tennessee house. My f- first mortgage was um, $453 a month. Um, no. <laughs> This mortgage over here okay. is twenty three hundred. I grew up in New Jersey. My first apartment was nine fifty a month, and it was a studio apartment smaller than this front room. Right, and that um, was back in the day. So probably oh, yeah. now it's 
four that, or five thousand. That was thirty years ago. Man, it's crazy. The the prices are coming down in New Orleans because the combination. You know, we all know hurricanes, COVID. Until we get back to normal, they're not coming down much though. Not much, but I, ever, I since I bought that, I've seen down five thousand. Now we're talking five thousand on five hundred thousand. So yeah. five. That's like uh, okay. I'm gonna take fifty cents off. <laughs> Try to get a place with a parking space. Yeah, it's impossible. Yeah, or you're going to spend really thirty-two hundred a month. Right, it's really expensive. Yeah. But I was paying in New Jersey twenty-four thousand a year in property tax. I, that was for three and a half acres. Right. I moved to Tennessee, get forty acres, <laughs> and it was six hundred eighty dollars mile block. <laughs> six eighty for the year. Mm-hmm. I call them like, "Is this a month?" They're like, "No, it's for the year." I'm like, "Really? Really? Yeah." So, yeah. This area, this. Of course, outside of the quarter, it's a lot cheaper. Um, yes, it gets definitely better. You get into some decent areas like Gentilly, and you can actually right. afford to live. Right. But it's just not being in the quarter. That's the problem. Right. I mean, and I almost bought out there because for what I paid for that, I could have bought a mansion out there. Yeah. And I've seen some of them, and I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Oh, yeah, there's some amazing but ones. But I'm not in the French Quarter. And you're, you're paying for that access and for the just everything. I mean, it's uh, it's not for everyone. No, it is not. I have a lot That's of why I said you get two reactions: either amazing or the oh quarter. my god. Uh, it's it's you really have to, uh, <laughs> you have to want to be here. Yeah. You have to embrace all of it, because some days you're gonna walk out and there's gonna be a pile of shit on your stoop. Right, I hate that part. Human. <laughs> right, it's not Mind dogs. It's, human. it's not dogs. Um, but other times, at you least see, with the dog, we don't get mad at the dog. We're just mad at their owner. True. And most of the owners pick up after themselves. Most of them do. great. But uh, other days you get a wedding party go by with the second line and the music. And it's just joyful. Yeah. I've never lived anywhere where I've been more happy and more content. Yeah. My wife is there. She's got there before I did. I mean, I enjoy it. But, um, you know, I'm still like, okay, in five years am I going to enjoy you're so but, new here. Right. And I do, I do like it. And, but I'm t- I keep talking to myself like, should I like this? Like there's things you, you can enjoy and you're like, I shouldn't do this even though it's enjoyable, right? See, I thought of 20 places I want to take you <laughs> just because I want you to experience what I've experienced. Right. Not just like the location, but the people that are there that make it special. See, and what's funny, all the people that I've met that I like said what you just said to me. And they really want, because like, they're like, they want to share w- with you what got them hooked, right? I've never been to a town where some stranger goes, look, man, I got to take you. Like, they don't do that. Yeah. And you move to my town, no one's going to come up to you and go, let me tell you why I love my town. Let me take you over. They, they don't and do that's that. That's it. We love this city. Right. It, it's, there's so much Maybe to see. Maybe in Jersey, because I've met, it's funny you said you're from Jersey. I've met a lot of people in New Jersey. And if they leave New Jersey, they go back to New Jersey. They love that place. Um, it's because they miss the food. Is that what it is? Yeah, because there's nothing else to really love. But my opinion. I mean, Maybe they've never been in New Orleans, right? That's another thing. They went to like I mean, Kansas City or... New Jersey, it's, it's almost like its own country. It's, it's like so its own different. country. Right. Uh, but you also have like the best hot dogs, the best pizza, the best bagels. And they got oceans. Yep, great seafood. Yeah, I, I didn't see. know when I moved to Tennessee. I had no idea that all the stuff I would not be able to get. Right. Can't get a good pizza. Can't. It's a different place. No uh, our, dude, the town I live in, people are like, where can we go to dinner? And I'm like, before we go, we have no good places. <laughs> Wherever I take you is going to suck. I'm just preparing you for that. 
after you've been here. You get what oh. I'm saying? Like, I compare everything. Like, our town is horrific. We, we go back Panda to Tennessee. Express is the best thing we have. Yeah, I get that. After being here, everything sucks. I don't even want to go on vacation <laughs> right. for it's being like, here. It's like, we go on vacation and we're like, can't wait to go home and eat here or right. go see this. Or we're missing this music. Or, you know, this band, George Porter Jr. is playing tonight. Shit. <laughs> yeah, I could see that, man. But I like Maple Leaf Bar. I cannot wait to take you there because of the people. Right. I mean, it's incredible music every day. But besides that, the people are what make that place just special. That's you know, cool. um, everyone that works there, everyone that goes there. Um, I've left my phone on the bar and walked away, not thinking, you know, and come back two hours later and it's sitting there. Mm. No one's going to steal your stuff. Right. It's that type of place. And if you, there's those gems throughout the city. It's just knowing where to go. So, you guys get to New Orleans. Where does, if, if you've met Andy, he wears tie-dye shirts all the time. He makes them. Where did all that come from? Well. Like one day you. I wore nothing but black. Okay. From the time like I was true heavy 12 metal. years old. True headbanger. Till moving here. <laughs> Two years into moving here, uh, one of my best friends, Joe, um, taught me tie-dye. I was bored. So he was already doing it. He had been doing it for 20-something years. And um, now we work and do festivals together and uh, events together. And After this uh, taping today, I'm going to his house. I've got a whole bunch of tie-dye to do uh, for the next two weeks before we go to a three-day festival right. in November. And they make cool, unique ones, so I'll put that in the, in the, in the notes, on uh, the show notes, whether video or audio and... Uh if you guys want to pick some up, it's Christmas time. The cool thing is there's going to be some supply chain problems around the world. And I think a lot of people who make shit from home will probably do okay. Well, I, I ship everywhere. Um, you know, Christmas. I have an Etsy, you know, make Facebook, Instagram, it's all. Right, you know. and I'll put it on there, guys. You can click on it and, and check I, out. Their- and I do custom stuff, too. People hit me up all the time wanting a specific colors or specific items. And, you know, I can do whatever is needed. It's... um. And then the wife doing costuming. It's definitely a town that lends itself. Um, I think that goes anywhere. I, I, I meet a lot of young kids and they're all trying to, a lot of them are trying to find a job. And I always try to encourage them, hey, maybe before finding a job, just try to create a job. See, the thing here is art and music actually matter. Right. Um, I, there's so many artists and so many musicians. Um, and people want that. Yeah. You know, they're able to support themselves. Um, it's not a pipe dream like it is in other locations. Right. Most places, you, it, it's almost impossible. Like, unless you live in, you know, a few unique large cities. Even then, you could easily get lost in the mix. So. Yeah, I, I never in my wildest dreams would have thought I'd be doing tie-dye and, like, loving doing it. Right. It's, it's a nice artistic outlet and the people that you deal with are fun and um, you know it's, it's something to do and not just I mean I sat around for a couple of years and just kind of fucked off right and um, need a little little more something to do now is that like quasi retirement it was my I, yes it was a complete retirement right so you're like I'm done tattooing I'm just gonna chill out yep listen to music hang out French Quarter. Go to shows every single shows. night, you know, or a couple shows every day, you know, wander around. Uh, 
That's my wife's phone. Didn't even know it was over there. Yeah. So. There you go. That's a hell of a ringer. That must be for a certain friend. <laughs> nope, that is to hear it. Okay. Because most time we're, you know, in clubs and bars and you just don't hear your phone. Right. Yeah, she's yeah. terrible with hers most to find it because she loses it every day. <laughs> yeah, so what were we just saying? The um, tie-dye? We were talking tie-dye. And retirement? Yeah, yeah, retirement. Back to retirement. So we're doing the retirement thing. And I wonder about this too. And I have this most, I mean, these guys all know I have this free ebook called You Don't Have to Die Broke. And in, in there, I'm just trying to give them basic ideas. Because you, one thing I learned about money, you only know what you know, and it's all filtered through the way you were raised and live. And, you know, a guy, let's say he comes here from Haiti, he's going to have a different outlook on, a, on money than, say, a kid that was raised by a wealthy family in New Jersey. Oh, for sure. Like they might see it different or a homeless person or and so everybody um, since I was a young kid I've been fascinated with trying to make money with money um, which led me to gambling because the ultimate way of making money with money is to literally just risk money and get double money right like that's yep but that's usually the blowout method too <laughs> yeah it's not sustainable it's not sustainable but it got me on a journey of uh, just kind of, kind of being my mom used to think I was lazy like she thought like he doesn't want to work and I'm like no 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 that's not like this is a lot of work like how to be trying yeah, to explain it to her I I used to do fantasy football uh, when kind of when it first started and I did exceptionally well the first few years um, I gambled on football a lot and mm-hmm. made a good amount of money I but you have to put in a ton it's of a ton of work, work. right um, and I, you got to stay since up getting on with, it. since getting with Tanya, um, I stopped my football and sports obsession, and it was, right. I didn't miss a single football game. I had like every game on, all the time. Yeah, I watched the draft and took notes, every second of it. Right, and um, and I was that's was how good. I do that's, stocks. I was healing. Right, um, so I was stuck anyway, not really doing much movement. Um, but it, you, if you don't put that kind of effort in, you can't make the educated. You don't even have a chance. No, you're just it's a crapshoot. And even when you do put in the work, this one thing I teach because I have a book out called the Money Flow Trading System, which they should know, um, and I teach it on Sundays. Even with an edge, you can still lose. Oh, there's no guarantees, right? In anything. And so you could have them. This is the most obvious fucking win period ever, and then he walks out and breaks his ankle. Oh, there's there. When you're gambling, there is or it starts no, to rain. There's no guarantee, <laughs> right? Ever. And because uh, I'll get guys that come in trading, they're like, "Well, you said this and this was going to happen." I'm like, "Yeah, I didn't know the CEO was going to steal money, and or 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 just yeah. decide, fuck it, we're just going to spend a bunch of money on whatever." And then whenever that happens in the stock market, they reevaluate the business. We're not. I can't the, read the future. Well, yeah, and we're not in the inner loop to know the stuff before time. Right. Where other people are. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you can see politicians dumping their stocks because they right. know. We, we don't know. You so don't know. So we're it. playing legit, and it's not a game to play legit. To win, yeah, well, yeah, to, to, to be to, on to the be, big, yeah, yeah for sure. And, and so I'll watch, kind of like you said, the draft. I, every morning of my day consists of the same thing. I get up, I immediately check where's Bitcoin, where's oil, where's 
where's the s and I watch the market and I turn it on and it's like sports teams. I'm watching the companies that I have money in and I'm thinking, okay, with where the world is today and what, what's happening today. And then I have these charts that I look at and I, I've found what I believe is a pattern. Even with this pattern, it's kind of like you're sitting down to play. I always tell them, this is what it is. You sit down to play blackjack and the dealer gives you a 10 and then the next card is, uh, well, no, the dealer gives you a six and then a five. You have an 11 and they deal themselves a five. You double that hand. Like everyone knows that. That's, if you get a 10, you got a 21, right? And that's a pattern. So when you see that pattern occur, right? We're just watching the pattern of the cards. Mm -hmm. You still don't know the next card. And so that's what I do with charts and I watch this pattern and bottoms and tops give the same pattern, but it may not be the bottom or the top. It may keep going. And, and I just started kind of wagering on that pattern and I've done pretty good at it. Um, and as I made more money, I put more money in the game. And as I made more money, I put more money in the game. And I just had a run where I didn't have to touch it. That's and it, always nice. Right. And it grew. And, um, and I mean, it's not a fortune now, but it's a, it's a, to me, it's a lot of money. And um, so that's what I, when I started going on YouTube and Instagram, I would just show, share that with other people, you know. That, that's a great thing that you're willing to share it. Most people want to keep that knowledge to themselves. Right. And hoard it. Um, I wish I had your drive to right. do what you do daily, um, but I'm more of a simpleton, and um, <laughs> and I like to self, par- self yeah, I'm, I'm self aware. I like to party. Um, <laughs> at least that way you gonna, won't get mad about it. I'm right? going to bed three o'clock in the morning. Right. I'm waking up at noon. Uh, I don't have the discipline to do what you do. Right. I give you all the credit in the world. Um, I I don't I can't do it, and I have no desire to. I want the money from it. Right, but I, it's like dieting. I always tell people that like everyone in. wants to lose weight. Yeah, but you've got to put the work in. But you obviously I don't want in. six packs that bad or I'd be doing crunches every, right? Right, but you, I mean, <laughs> this is important to you and it's, something, it's a passion. Right. Um, I don't have that drive. Um, yeah. I'm not sure, like that's why I'm selling tie dye to make some extra money. the ultimate of self-awareness and that's one of the things I teach too is clarity and self-awareness. That way you don't find yourself doing shit you don't want to do. At 50 years old, you should know yourself enough to be know. surprised. A lot of people are still lost at 50. Yeah, I'm even not, I don't have it all figured out. Right. But I know my strong suits and my weak points. Suits. And I know I'm what not you gonna, can't do. I'm not jumping into day trading because... <laughs> I uh, get kids, dude. They'll take, a, they'll take a, a large sum of money and they just start trading it. And I'm like, fuck, dude. You could have took a thousand and said, let me see if I can turn this into... See, I helped somebody years ago, uh, 30 years ago, and gave him a ridiculous amount of money to to have his dream of a day trader, and it was gone a month later. And he was going to pay you a percentage of profits. He was going to pay me back regardless of win or loss. Okay. And, uh, you know, I lost 100 grand, and uh, we'll never see it again. I counseled with a guy a couple weeks ago, because I'll do these private sessions with people, and either about their money uh, you know the band Bad Religion oh yeah so I just met with their bass player and the roadie the guitar tech for them Pre- prior to them he was the guitar tech for Godsman same thing I mean they're trying to figure out what to do with their money and the and they have money but what they haven't been doing all this time is that repetition of 
it's hard for me to say, hey, do what I do. You just describe it. If you don't have a desire to all the other things that I just said, getting up, looking, looking at the thing, like we we're talking about with sports betting. Yeah. If you don't, if you're not going to do that, you have to turn it over to someone who is. And hope that they've got your best interests in mind right. and that they're good at what they do. And they're good at what they do. And then whenever I meet up, sometimes I'll meet someone and they have a chunk of money and they're like, I have no interest in investing. I do not want to do real estate like you do, see you painting and all this shit. And I'm, well, you know, I'd say, well, listen, then if I was you, I would do this. Put it in an index fund or a mutual fund and leave it. That's it. It's over. Yep. Don't, don't seek my returns if you're not doing my work. Well, that's it. Right. You, know, you got to put the work in. And I'll like post, said- I made 38% on this or 55% on this. But if you're not watching it and catching it and being right there, you're not, that's not going to happen for you. I think your diet analogy is so perfect that right. if you don't put the work in, you're not going to get the results. Right. And even if you do put the work in, you know, things might not go exactly as you're hoping. And then not feeling bad, like you just said, look, I don't have the desire to do that. Okay, cool. That's off the table. So don't turn back to that thing that you don't have the desire to and then almost regret it or cry about it. Like, if it's not there for you, you got to find something else. And I'm looking. Right. That's why I'm working. Um, right. I don't know what to do or how to make the money that I would like to make I haven't quite figured that part out yet other than to work harder at what I'm doing and hoping that that will pay off uh, eventually you know, you know what weird thoughts I have sometimes I watch people I, sometimes I'll go to bourbon and I look for the hustlers and I just watch them and I'm like that guy's terrible and I'll watch someone every once in a while you catch a guy who's good at it you know and I'm always watching these people doing their little things and I'm like what could I do with a table that people would just give me money? Like, I've been sitting around thinking of it. I don't mean little money either. I mean, like, dollar, five dollars, and I do it six hours, and I collect hundreds of dollars, and I leave. I met a guy that works on a corner, the same corner every day, just begging for money. See, I can't do that. He's, nor could I, right. um, but that's what he does. He's done it for five, six years. He's a professional beggar. With a brand new car, a very nice no house, shit. and $65,000 a year income, you don't give tax a free. Fuck, that's the ultimate, I don't give a fuck what anybody thinks Well, I watched him get picked up by a really nice car at like 3 o'clock. Like this one day, like he put right. in a full day of work. I'm like, that's interesting. And then the next day, Some I happened to be in the place. Some kind person picked up this homeless guy, right? And the same car picked him up, so yes. I followed him. There you go. I was curious. Just yeah. like... Where are they going to? It was just a few blocks away. Um, nice neighborhood. And they get out. There's like two cars in the driveway. He gets out and I shout out to him. And he came over and we chatted for a few minutes. And uh, nice guy, but... Uh, just hustle him. Just, I just, he goes inside, changes just clothes. give me money. From <laughs> his bum clothes to a really nice right. you know, outfit. clean outfit. And... Uh, I knew something was up because his shoes were clean. Right. You know, you check the shoes. Uh, if they got clean shoes, they're not actually on the streets. Uh, stuff like that. Right. But um, that's what he does. He found he could make way more money sitting there with a cup all day. And and I guess he's got some back issues or whatever his problem is. You know, that's his thing. Uh, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. But I'm assuming card type games are illegal 
Uh, yeah, they used to do it around Jackson Square in different places. And, um, That'd be too get, much like casino gambling. They get shut down pretty quick. Like if you set a little thing up and you had dice. Yeah, yeah three card money. And that just random be... strangers walking by. Because if I walked by that, I'd be like, what are we playing? They used to do that. And I'd do a dollar. I don't give a fuck. I'm probably going to lose. Who well, cares? Well, the problem is you're going to lose. Yeah. Um, but it's fun. Uh, it's a dollar. I mean, you might, if you just want to, I mean, you can just throw money on the street. You got to do that. <laughs> I, I mean, get to roll the dice. <laughs> those, those, none of those games are... You know, three card money. It's a hundred percent rigged. Yeah, you can't win. It's like the favorite. I love to watch the people that think they can win. But it's like the carnival. I always wonder how the fuck is this legal? Because everyone knows you can't shoot that red thing up. Like one in a thousand people do it. Yeah. And that gets to be travel around, and you get to or do the it. The barrels where the, the the circle for the ball to go right. in is. You have to like land it exactly perfectly and like push it. Statistical odds are like next to nothing. Yeah, it's. It, Way, you know, so carnies are allowed to go around and just collect money. Yes. But if me and you set up, and we have another one in Texas where they're playing bingo, and I'm always like, how the fuck can they have a bingo? Can I do that? Can I just open a bingo? Which is literally just taking money for people for a piece of paper. I like bingo. Yeah. <laughs> but at least in that, someone wins, but the house always wins. Oh, well, that's all gambling. And the house didn't win, you would have seen it. people in the quarter. If you could do bingo night or run a 24-hour bingo here in the quarter. Well, Harris got the quarter locked down, the New Orleans right. locked down for all gambling. Yeah. So you, if it has any touch of gambling, you can't do it because Harris has got, you know. What easy money, huh? Just running a casino? How fucking easy? I, I mean, once you get your pattern down, how easy? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's all, they never lose or there wouldn't be casinos. Now, you had said that uh, when you were injured, they gave you a settlement. Yes. I mean, did you have financial advisors and all that? Did you go Uh, through all of that? I did for a while, um, but it's just an annuity, so it's really not enough to do with anything. And since I so you were being drip paid. Yeah, and um, I've got it for life. So that's for life. Set it up, thirty years minimum, which it's already there to life. Um, because my, we set it up that way because I was young at the time, I was 21, and it took 70 years to settle. And, um, Does it go up with inflation? Um, it did once. Uh, it was minimal. But um, I'm plateaued out now. But it's enough to keep me afloat to where I don't have to panic about bills. But um, I'm helping so many different yeah, we were talking family about that earlier. Now that uh, it's put me into a non-sustainable situation. This is a common problem, man. I, I meet a lot of people. I've had this problem on and off. Um, you know, I've given my parents $1,000 a month for a long time. Now, I give my dad work, right? That I could bring in other people and do other things. But it's family, right? And, and But he does le- legitimately do things for me. But honestly, it was just me giving back to my family because I knew they, they yep. need it, you know? And then you get caught in that, and it's like, fuck, dude. Like, it, and it's hard to well, cut off your parents. or it, your... It's damn near impossible. I mean, both my parents are now sick. They're both in their 70s, uh, late 70s. It's and, like um, adult child support. They, they've got cancer, leukemia, medical bills, um, they did a reverse mortgage, mm. so but now I'm paying their taxes in New Jersey, right? Uh, and, you know, two thousand dollars every quarter, 
and then food, you know, for each week, and then medical stuff that comes up, and car payment, whatever it is, there's just stuff, and then my in-laws family, you know, they need help, and then my daughter, you know, just graduated. I was going to say, what about kids? The kids still hanging around? um, Or are they self-sufficient? Um... They're becoming self-sufficient. My daughter just graduated Loyola, a music therapist. Um, just got her j- first job, real job. And um, doing well. And uh, she hit me up last week and said, I think I can cover my rent this week, this month. Nice. Which was much wonderful to hear. Nice. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's, that was like a pleasant surprise. Um, my son is married in, in Tennessee. And working for the school system, IT guy, he's doing fine. You know, uh, I need to dump my Tennessee house sooner right. than later. We talked about make the full transition to here. Yeah, it's keeping two houses going, two household, full households going, plus the other add-ons is just not sustainable. It's tough, and I'm going to hit that problem where, you know, I have this house... And now it's a full-blown house. I got the electric, I got cable, I got everything I'll have at my other house just doubled. Yeah. Even clothing. So you don't even think about that because my wife's like, oh, I'm going to buy this for here. I'm going to get this for here. Well, when we get home, it's I need this for there and I need this for there. That's, we have doubles of everything. Right. You end up buying two toothbrushes, two yep. toothpaste, two this, two that. Good news is here you won't need winter coats. <laughs> um, that'll save us a few bucks. Yeah, that's about it. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> Definitely get your rain boots. So I'm going to have to, at some point, sell my house there. I know this. And it's been hard because we lived there so long. Um, my son passed away in that house. And so that's still kind of set up as a shrine, you know. And well, trying to deal with that. That's, yeah, definitely rough. Um, selling it, though, however, might be a good way for you to move on. And, and maybe celebrate him in a different way than a bedroom that you don't want to go into. Right, and the quarters help him with that because as I walk through here, I think of all the history and how many shrines are here. Oh, yeah. You and get what I'm saying? Like For sure. And it's like, um, and yet we love it, so someone will, you know, take my house there and love it and they'll make their own memories. Oh, definitely. And, and just trying to come to grips with that. Yeah, I would love to give away my house to my son in Tennessee, but... It's too much house for him. We moved into it. We had two kids, yeah, three kids, and the two of us, and five dogs, and it was a perfect house for them going through school and growing up. Um, now it's like five thousand square feet for two people, and uh, they can't even afford the electric bill on their own. Now, do you feel like you give too much? Because I hear a lot of giving here. Oh, without doubt. Just constant giving. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can it's, sense that. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Yes, I have a condition. I don't know. I, it's hard. If it's are, are family, you and the wife like, in that same... Is she in that same groove or is she a little more yeah, reserved? Well, no. She's probably just as bad. She just did... Right. She made 57 costumes uh, the other day for her dance crew and didn't charge anyone a dime. Right. And, and they... Yeah. And that... Uh, <coughs> it's hard to make money not charging, right? Yeah. I mean, she's doing it other way with other things, but sure. you know, we have our moments where there's some stuff we just donate. Um, we donate a lot of time and effort into stuff that we are 
care about or people that we care about. Um, and that always feel good doing it. Positive trade, which I think most people would agree is a positive trade, can it can become a detrimental to your own finances and your own well being. Oh, it, it's definitely, yeah. I mean, it, you can't do it all the time. You have to make your right. money. Like we were saying you earlier, have to pick and choose a you, bit more. You can't give, even though it's just a dollar. You can't give every person in who has in New Orleans for a dollar. A dollar by the end of the year, you would have gave away ten thousand dollars. You can't give away fifty cents to every person that asks every day and still pay your rent. Right. I mean, it was worse before COVID because there was more people out and uh, definitely more homeless out. But I mean, if I sat on my stoop for two hours. I'd have eight different people ask me for money. So you easily hand out five, six, seven, eight dollars. Uh, I you, mean, you could. Um, right. I just don't. I'm, I don't carry cash anyway. Get mad yesterday. Those ones always crack me up. He's like, he got pissed. Oh. You see those, right? Those are more toward Bourbon Street, though. It's it's way more rare, and I think they try. To, most of the people now, I know them. Uh, I get to, if there's a new homeless person walking through, I know they're new. Because mm-hmm. the other ones, you see them every day. Right. You've been seeing so, them for and, years. And if you know them, they probably know you. Oh, and I know most of them by name. Right. I mean, we. I make a point to know who they are, you know, or to actually treat them like a human being. Right, right. Ask right. their name. And, you know, my wife can walk anywhere in the quarter, and any of those homeless guys will stick up for her or be at her side if needed. Because, you know, they know us and we take care of them. I had a package delivered and left on my stoop by UPS. And a homeless guy that we knew sat across the street and watched it for two hours till we came home to make sure no one touched our package. And you tipped him a little bit? Um, he wouldn't take anything. Nice. He just he said, you guys feed us, take care of us. You know, we take care of you. Nice. That's the city, really. I noticed that, that lady with the bird down here. Um, Bibi. Yeah, she uh, she feeds homeless people, right? Um, she runs the Homeless Coalition, I believe. Right. I'm actually doing a thing with her, I think, next month, where we're going to do a sale. And for every T-shirt that I sell, I donate one T-shirt to her coalition. <laughs> we're back to donating. Um, <laughs> it's a good way to do it, though. Right. She has a lot of contacts. She can set up the whole sale and promote it. But I give excess inventory. And I can, you know, sell something to cover the costs of the, you know, the supplies and whatnot, make a couple bucks, and then donate one to people that can actually use it. Right. Now, why, why not just tattoo again? He said... Yeah. Um, <laughs> just, hands, just eyes, back. Right. Physically, uh, it's hard, right? It's way more difficult than it used to be. Um, the passion for it isn't really there. Right. And if you don't have a passion for tattooing, you shouldn't really be marking people's skin permanently. It's a, it's a, yeah, I could see that. You know, it's, it's uh, like being an eye surgeon and you're not really there. Not when you're, yeah. Um, you know, I don't, and my wife really hated it. Um, long days. I mean, I, right. I, I don't do anything half-assed. So it was like, you know, 12 hours a day or more, six days a week. Because uh, you just get booked up and you just try to get stuff done. Right. Um, you know, I had a two-year waiting list to get tattooed. Really? Yeah. Nice. So it's, uh, it just got to be too much. And physically, you know, hands cramping all night long, back cramping. My right. eyes are going to shit right now. So 
Um, and there's just no desire. Really is the biggest thing. What's your favorite song right now? You do that? A favorite song? Yeah. You've been uh, listening to something a lot. Just surfing songs. Yeah, there, actually, there's one song. I actually have to look up the title. Um, and I have it right here. Because I'd never heard, I hadn't heard it in probably 20 years. And. Oops. Sorry about that. If I can make it stop, <laughs> that would be it. Uh, David Bromberg. David it's, Bromberg. It's from 1971. Okay. And the song is called Sharon. I'll check it out. And uh, it's the lyrics are hysterical. And every time it comes on, it's got a nice little groove. Right. But the words make me laugh. So you listen to a lot of music. I listen to a lot of music. Would you say oh. hours a day? It's on. Oh, it's on most of the day. Right. Uh, I mean, what about <laughs> you read? No, not much. If Just I do, on your phone. If I read, it's usually like, you know, um, I like stuff that's real. I like like the Scott Ian uh, book that came out and right. Anthrax. So you're reading on music, things you're interested in. Yeah, in, more in life. interest stuff. Um, I I don't have a. And much desire to just sit down and read. Right. Um, more internet, like news. A lot of video like content, that. YouTube. Um, actually, more like Spotify and uh, okay. iTunes. I, I listen to a lot of music. Um, plus, I can do other stuff while I'm listening to it. Don't have to actually watch it. Right. If I put TV on, I'm, st- I'm watching the TV. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't really get myself done. Um, yeah, so... Well, we've been going 57 minutes. We'll have to do wow. this again, man. It, it, does, it goes fast, man. I did an interview with a guy here a while back. We were going to talk about my books. And he's like, you think you could do 15 minutes? And I'm like, bro, we can't do shit in 15 minutes. That's worth talking about. I mean, Fair what are enough. you going to know? I'm from Tennessee. Blah, 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 blah. It's over, yeah. man. Yeah, that's really went quick. It's hard to, yeah, it's hard to get to know someone. in. A, uh, that's why Joe Rogan's podcasts are like three hours long. Have you ever heard his podcast? Um, once. He, I'm not a big podcast person, per se. Yeah, I listen to um, a lot of them. Because I listen to more music. Um, sure, I get that. It's just, I don't even think to. Right. Um, you know, I, I guess because it wasn't a thing as a kid. You know, I'm more I'm way more music than uh, just talk. I've never been to talk radio. Right. Other than Howard Stern growing up with him. Uh, for, for me, doing stocks... To force myself from having to sit there and read all day, I'll listen. And so a lot of times you'll see me, I'll just have one earbud in. And I may be, because something's happening or the market's open, I just have it going. And I'm listening to various things about the market. And I'm kind of not listening. I'm listening for when I need to listen. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, wait, they're about to talk about that. I really need to listen to that. See, that's the thing with podcasts. Like, I've noticed it's like you have to pay attention. You have to. Um... And I listen to some so much that I kind of know what they're saying, and I know when to tune it in and out. You know, not my strong suit. Right, paying attention. <laughs> yes, uh, I like like I again self awareness. I'm very self-aware. you know that, so why fuck M- around with it? Music, I can just zone out, and you know, an hour will go by, and I don't even know what I listen to. Right, that's the problem with the, I put on a podcast. If I'm not really into it and looking for something specific, yeah, then I've been listening to a couple uh, of New Orleans ones. This one's called Beyond Bourbon Street. Oh, yeah. And he interviews 
local people that are doing cool things. And then he talks about restaurants, and if he goes to a place, he'll review it. And I thought about trying to get on his podcast because I know I have more listeners than he does. I'm sure he'd like that. And uh, I even thought about uh, advertising my book I give away as a free ebook. And then if they like the freebie, they can buy a hard copy. So it's like free, free, free. If you really want it, because some people, they'll look just for a second and go, yeah, I like this content, but they don't want an ebook. Gotcha. And then they'll order it, right? So it's kind of like me going here, taste the food. If you like it, pay me. If you don't, fuck it. You didn't. It didn't cost you. Well, a lot of people do that with. I've seen with the, the ebooks where they give you like the first chapter free, right? And then if you want the rest, yeah, you can go ahead and see if you like the way it's written and whatnot. I found what long drives. I like podcasts. Podcasts are awesome if um, you're driving. Uh, and it does. It keeps me more like engaged. But I tend to listen to more of the music ones by like musicians that I've. Um, favor or stories of old uh, metal things that happened like right. know, 30 years ago and this one this one that I'm on I call the science of getting rich podcast and it's mostly mindset thinking and then I interview people um, and I'm usually trying to point out key things like you were saying desire I don't have a desire to do that well one of the chapters in the science of getting rich is chapters called desire and if you don't have a desire for the thing you're you're trying to do you'll probably never be rich at it and when they mean rich he's not really even talking about money he's just talking about in abundance yeah and do well part of it's money but part of it's enjoying yourself fulfillment fulfillment that's also an abundant thing because if you make a lot of money and you hate what you do what's the point you're going to quit at some point I mean yeah life's too short and if you make no money and you love what you do you'll probably keep doing it even as a hobby even if you're not getting paid like me still having a guitar see now I'm sucked in now I gotta go listen to all your podcasts right right and and, and (laughs) So even though I talk a lot about money around it, it's it's that's just one type of abundance. There's friends and networks and yeah, yeah you I mean, know that you like, can extrapolate it out. It doesn't have to be right. money. It's whatever your passion is. One of the chapters is competition, and it says, "Listen, no one's your competition. Like you're doing your thing, they're doing their thing, and there's enough things for everyone. And it like I may want that thing, that thing, that thing, that thing. They weren't in competition." So if you see other painters or other entertainers as competition, then you're living where you're pushing against the universe instead of flowing with the universe. We moved to Tennessee and started a tattoo shop. There was already five shops in right, town. That's not your competition. We went to every shop, introduced ourselves, right. said we're here. If you guys need anything, hit us up. You know, and they all seemed shocked. People were like, why are you moving to a small right. town that's got five shops? We're like, we'll be fine. Competition is actually a good thing. Right. There's more than five places to get a hamburger. And I've been to all five and I keep rotating. 16 years later, we were the only shop still there. Right. A few different ones that come in since. But, you know, all those other shops have been there for decades or gone. Right. And so that's one of the chapters. And and, and basically there's 17 of these and they're just life lessons. And I think um, I've enjoyed the book enough that then I I give it away. It's an old book. And... um, I'm going to have to read that. And then so I podcast on it, and I, I try to bring everything back to the book. Because when I wanted to podcast, I like, what the fuck am I going to talk about? So then I was like, well, I'll just talk about a book I like. And there's 17 chapters. I'll at least have 17 podcasts. Right? <laughs> That's what I thought in my mind. And then 500 later. Wow. So you've been doing this quite a while. Yeah. And some of them are horrible. Like, you'll listen, and it's like, oh, my God, this is terrible. Uh, every, and some of them are great. Gem. And then I experiment <laughs> with... Uh, you know, I was raised Southern Baptist. My mom was hardcore. She would drag me to church a lot. And so, uh, but I always, the one thing I did enjoy about Southern Baptist 
is the way the guy would deliver his oratorical message. It's just the subject matter was kind of weird, you know, for me. Uh, I was raised Italian Catholic, so it was all, you know, guilt. Right. But I always think, like, what if the president, instead of standing at a podium, would deliver it like some, like, you know, which is what, like, like you see crazy, like, Hitler, like, rah! Like, he's all into it. And you see our people, they're so boring. Well, what would happen if you became like Puritans. that? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, so I've always been attracted. And so I have a few what I call sermons, but they have nothing to do about religion. Yeah. So it's around the book, but I'm giving it as if, like, I'm a Baptist preacher. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And, I, and I've had people listen and go, bro, I can't even listen. Like, it's so churchy. I can't do it. And I go, oh, I know, but it's a pun. It's not in a bad way. It's just a play on the church thing. I, I think a lot of people are traumatized from being forced to go to church right. as a child. And so it's I not for everyone. can't tolerate it. Yeah, it's not for everyone. I guess, uh, but, uh, yeah, I get that completely. And, the, <laughs> and I had this, I, I wanted to try to be... I don't want to say a motivational speaker, but that's I basically what people would call it, and deliver a message, and I deliver it very much that style, without really invoking Jesus or any of that stuff. Yeah. And uh, my wife always, you know, she's like, "Hey, your way of talk, it's a, it's, not, it's not for everyone." You know, that's her polite way of saying I don't like it. <laughs> no, I mean, nothing is for everyone nothing's for everyone so you, right? get, you find your tie-dye people. shirts there's a lot of people who are like I would not wear a tie-dye shirt I never thought in my wildest dreams for 45 years of my life that I'd wear a tie-dye shirt right and um, the color now makes me smile <laughs> there you go you know I wear black the metal shows still but you know yeah um, I never dress up I've never had an interest in dressing up oh but the I, other night I had I picked the, <laughs> I bought stuff over the years I don't wear it right so I put on these wonderful slacks I have, a belt, this really nice shirt. I dressed up fancier than I have dressed in forever. I just don't do that. Uh, and I enjoyed I. it. I enjoyed it. I am the least fashionable person you Me will probably ever meet. Um, but here's the weird thing. I better. liked it. Oh, I can see it. I mean, I like it too. Uh, so I might play with once it. Once in a while. I've gotten into costuming way right. more since moving here. And it was almost like a costume for me. And this lady it's said, a, what are you for Halloween? I was like... I'm doing it. Like, if you don't understand, this is Halloween for me. Like, right? I don't do this. I don't wear a fancy suit or a with cuff. Like, I don't do that. I I'm my old my old wardrobe was like five or six pairs of uh, camo shorts right. and a black tank top. I did especially the tattoo sleeves. Ones. Yeah, that was. You're not coming in like GQ. No, that was my uniform. Right. But for decades, and now it's a. Uh, but if you showed up tomorrow like that, everybody like, what are you doing, bro? Uh, I mean, I don't know. They're, I've still got that stuff. It's just more, what I've got here now is more colorful. Plus, New Orleans is not the place to wear black. Right. It's hot Too as a damn hot. It's hot as a motherfucker. It's 85 degrees out right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, at 10 o'clock in the morning. So, yeah. But we'll wrap up and we'll have to do it again. I'll, I'll post it make sure the audio goes well. If people, hey, guys, DM me, text me, email me. You know how to talk to me. Let me know if you enjoyed our conversation. and um, You know, we can get down in the weeds and other things at, an, at another time. Sounds great. I've, I've really enjoyed it. And if uh, anyone wants to check out Cryptic Ink Tie-Dye, mm -hmm. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Etsy. And I'll get that stuff from him and put it in the show notes, guys. Appreciate you listening. God bless.